Welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out-of-this-world conversations with extraordinary people. And today, I am so excited to have my guest, Dr. Marcia Martin on, and I'm going to bring her on screen in just a moment. But before I do that, I just want to make a few announcements. So if you are watching this on YouTube, then I ask that you subscribe to the channel so that you can be sure to watch all of the shows. And whether you're watching it on YouTube or on Facebook, we would love to hear your comments. Um, if you're enjoying the show, if you have any feedback, we would love to hear that. So thank you. Also want to make an announcement about my newest book that's coming out. Um, it's actually in design right now. So I'm so excited. It's going to be um, ready probably within the month or within two months, depends on how fast uh, we can get it printed. But Connection to the Cosmos, Remembering Your Galactic Heritage and Embracing Your Oneness. And so that book is now available for pre-order for author signed copies. So I'll be sure to post a link for that. Also, my um, newest Oracle deck, Connection to the Cosmos, is available for purchase. And I'll post a link for that as well, same page. And my Galactic Retreat is coming up in October, October 13th to the 16th. And so 10 spots, it's a co-ed retreat where we're gonna be doing a lot of different practices to really hone in our Claire's telepathy, remote viewing, connecting to the cosmos, and then using the night vision goggles at night. So join me for that. And if you're in Hawaii, come visit one of my Big Island UFO tours. Okay, so now I am so excited to introduce you to my guest. Bring her on the screen. Here we have Dr. Marsha Martin, MED, PhD, the heart healer is a spiritual empowerment counselor, minister, best-selling author, public speaker, and clairaudient angel communicator, specializing in helping people heal their relationship with themselves. By healing the heart of all past pain and trauma, you'll be able to establish and maintain healthy relationships with yourself and all others so you can live a successful life. Her unique heart-centered energetic healing approach the angel heart healing technique enables you to build the perfect relationship with yourself and helps you answer the questions, who am I, why am I here, and where am I going? Marsha will help you release your greatest fears so you can achieve your biggest dreams as you heal your heart and transform your life. Welcome, Marsha. <laughs> so grateful to be here, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me and for sharing your world with me. Yes. Well, I'm so excited because this is actually our first real conversation. And so there's so much that I want to know. <laughs> and I'm sure our audience wants to know too. So one of the first things that I always ask my guests, because I find that this part fascinating personally, is I love knowing how people grew up because you're working with angels. But so did you grow up in a religious household or a spiritual household or like, tell us about that? You know, that is a really great question because it wasn't so, it, yes, it was a Christian home, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a religious household, so to speak. But I did have a very antagonistic relationship with God, who for me at my youth was male, angry, and waiting for me to 
make a mistake. So it was <laughs> the polar opposite of where I am today. Um, the one thing that I took away from that, I think, is a deep friendship with Jesus, not because I understood the being, but because in my Sunday school classroom, he had hair my color and I, and it was curly and his eyes were green. And I thought, oh, <laughs> he looks like me. Now, you know, how could he have my color skin, my color hair and green eyes and yeah. be it, you know, not logical. However, <laughs> I was little, so I'm going to give myself a free pass on that one. But it, it created this sort of friendship that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. So when I was getting older, then we did at about 13, I guess, where we joined the church. So we had to, I forget what they call it. Oh, well, <laughs> some sort of ceremony where, you know, you, you, you consciously agree to join the church. And the requirement was do some sort of project. And mm. so my, the one that I wanted to center on was Jesus. And so that began, I still hated God, still didn't really like religion. I was just sort of hedging my bets, you know, yeah. maybe God won't hate me so much if I uh, am nice to his son or have a relationship with his son. But it was interesting as I began studying the works of Jesus and the the things that he has was attributed with mm -hmm. not the disciples but just Jesus himself I got really curious you know it was there was a lot there a lot to unpack a lot of confusion and I sort of left it at the confusion place it was like Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could have miracles every day like they did then? Or wouldn't it be amazing if we could do this? And wow, that's really fabulous. And then I just sort of put it away because I didn't understand it. The language was archaic. It didn't make enough sense to me. I just wanted what he had and had no idea how to get it. So left that there. Then I get into high school and Linda Goodman has published the Sun Sign, Love Signs book. I had so, that. <laughs> <laughs> it became my Bible. You know, oh, I wanted the perfect partner and, you know, everything. And Yuri Geller is bending spoons and Kreskin does the magic tricks. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to learn ESP and to do all these things. Just completely fascinated by it get into college, leave it all behind, do my master's program, somehow end up at a very, again, traditional college, Boston College. They had this off-the-wall program exploring the consciousness. So I enrolled in all of those classes. I was already a psych, a psych major, so, uh, you know, in my master's. So it, they were kind of like letting me do all this other realm exploration. So I took all these classes, got into a meditation group. We started doing healing work in our healing lab. Then I took Jose Silva's mind control. I really got completely immersed in that. 
and then finished my master's program and said, okay, this was fun, but I need a real job and threw it all away again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I mean, yeah. the craziest, you know, threw that all away. Maybe I'm in my forties, 45 ish. By this point, life has become absolutely impossible. And I slowly start opening back up. There's got to be something. I can't live this way. I can't operate under these kinds of restrictions. I can't keep failing. I don't know how to handle what I am experiencing, but there's got to be an answer. So I start opening up and taking more programs and I love to read, so I read through every branch of every library about spirituality, even dipped into religion to see maybe I missed it the first time, did the whole church circuit, tried every religion, fell on my face there, finally kept going just out of sheer frustration and agony about where I was. And someone introduced me to EFT and that got the ball rolling a little further. I was like, okay, I actually can get momentary relief. Yeah. So it's so, kind of real quick, because I know what EFT is, but maybe not all of our viewers do. So just oh, say it's the tapping, it's the tapping technique, emotional freedom technique. Mm -hmm. And I found that it actually gave me some relief from the depression, the anxiety, and the overwhelm that I was feeling, but it wasn't lasting. And so I was a little frustrated that it's just the surface. And my heart hurts, not my physical hurt heart, my energetic heart hurts. So I explore, explore, explore probably another 10 years before I got low enough to just say, okay, whatever you got, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll listen. I'll follow. I will, as long as it is, doesn't bring hurt or harm to myself or another, I will do what you are asking me to do. And at that point of surrender is really when they were able to come in and lift me up and lead me now into the heart healing that I share with others. But it was a long journey of pain and a lot of humiliation in there. Okay. Well, how, um, when you say they came to you, was that the angels? And if so, how did you know that it was the angels? Well, because of the, I had always been communicating with them, not always acknowledging them, but mm -hmm. I had always been communicating with them. I think since I was little, I remember playing outside and having, any, or inside anywhere, long, long conversations in my head, often out loud. And I didn't think I had an imaginary friend. I just felt like I'm having nice conversations. <laughs> so now I know that that was me communicating with the angelic realm. Mm -hmm. But at the time, at my lowest point, I could not accept any kind of 
masculine intervention. So the one who came to rescue me was Mother God, because by that time I had split them up. <laughs> I said, you know, I can't really handle this. And if that's you, that's fine, but I can't handle that right now. I need nurturance and love and I need to be uplifted. So Mother God and Jesus, could I, because I could still accept Jesus, but I couldn't do, now I understand the Father God aspect of how much we need the structure and the foundation or else our, our world would spin out of control. But at that time, I couldn't handle any kind of domination, which I was sure was what was gonna come. So they just lovingly cocooned me in gentle mm -hmm. direction and guidance and just little by little through writing, they would communicate with me and I would follow what they told me to do, even though I thought it was kind of crazy and I didn't understand, you know, the whole energetic heart space and how you can really move energy and clear energy and change circumstances through the energetic product. Because I was always very hands-on. Oh yeah, you know, I taught elementary school for a long time. That is a very physical kind of teaching. The more you can get them to interact with it, the easier they can learn. Mm -hmm. So I didn't understand energy when I began. It sounded nice, but I <laughs> just couldn't believe any of this was really going to work. Yeah but I had committed to doing what they shared with me as long as it wouldn't hurt or harm myself or another. And so I just kept doing little by little until I was like, hey, wait a minute. My physical world is starting to get different. How can that be? This is all energetic work. Why is my physical world shifting in ways that feel good? And then that made me really understand, get into the physics behind the energy. And that gave it another layer of substance and truth. It became true for me. Whereas before, I think it was more wishful thinking. Okay. Well, that's an interesting distinction. Um, how, with your clients, how would you recommend that they shift that from really knowing thinking. You know, and I think it's so important because there are so many schools of thought out there that keep saying, oh, if you just feel peaceful, don't worry about not having money. And I think, excuse me, I was one of those people that didn't have the money to meet my bills and I didn't want to feel peaceful. I wanted a solution. Mm -hmm. And I, so what I say to my clients is if you will do this work with me and I can't do it for you, the angelic realm can't do it for you. You must participate willingly and with full consciousness. Mm -hmm. If you are willing to do the work, yes, you will feel better within, but your outside world will reflect your inside harmony. So the way that I get people to move from wishful to, oh my gosh, is to have them experience it in their life. Because no experience, you're not in alignment. 
you know you are in alignment with your greatest good when your outer world feels better than it did before you started this. Your yeah. inner world is going to shift really quickly, but if the outer world never budges, we still got more. <laughs> Something's not okay. Yeah. It's just not okay. So how did it, how did your world change? Your physical world? Everything up, upside down. Everything changed. Um, there is no more wishful thinking. It's just reality thinking. I know if things are not going the way that I want them to go, I'm either in the way or out of alignment with what is to be my greatest good. So I don't spend as much time banging my head against the, the wall saying, why aren't you a door? Instead, I say, okay, either I'm not supposed to be here or the door is just a little further in it, the other direction. And it can be one way or the other. So what do I need to do? Go within, find where the door is, and then I can go immediately to it. And so everything has shifted. All of my relationships are different. My housing situation is different. Uh, my savings account is quite robust. <laughs> and even though I live still le beneath my means, that's by choice. Yeah. And not by um, because I have to. Mm -hmm. I, I like not worrying when a bill comes. I yeah. still don't love bills, but I'm happy to have the money. <laughs> but I don't like um, being anxious. So I just choose not to spend as much as I am able to. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you had mentioned to me is that you love focusing with your clients of moving them out of victim mentality into victory. And so is that coming from your personal experience of that transformation? Oh, that very about? much, okay. very much. Okay. You know, through that, like almost 20 years of trying to move back into alignment, I really perceived myself to be the victim. Mm -hmm. How can these terrible things happen to me? I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to pay all my bills. I'm try I'm working as many jobs as I can work. I just, I don't understand. I took no responsibility for where I was. I um, couldn't see how my thoughts and my emotions that I was attaching and the conversation that I was holding constantly could be generating new disasters for me to have to pay for so that even if I was capable of working 10 jobs, I would just make 25 more disasters so that that money was gone. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of the eye opener. It was actually a, an Abraham book, Abraham Hicks book. And I opened it up and it said something along the lines of you are where you are today because of the thoughts that you have had up until this point. I read that and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> No, no. So many people, they do not like that pill. They oh, it was pill. so bitter. It was a horse pill. I was like, oh, no, 
take this baby back to the library. I am not reading this. Talk probably took me six months to work up the courage to look at that book again and to understand how I was playing into this. And then it began the, the unraveling, changing the conversation, not getting attached to what was wrong, but seeing how I was playing into creating the, the difficulty. And it took me maybe five more years to understand that I was a powerful manifester. I was just manifesting everything I didn't want. Right. And so I finally, I was like, hey, wait a minute. It's not that I don't know how to manifest. It's that I'm consciously manifesting everything I don't want. So I just have to change my focus. And that changed everything. Then, you know, now it's so easy to live life in a flowing place as opposed, I have to work hard to get into the place of confusion and overwhelm and knotted up, which was my whole life prior to that. But it's now been so long that it's just, it's always easier to keep going in the same direction. So it's easier to now just flow with all the good yeah. instead of try to conjure up something bad to get all worried about. Yeah. But wasn't an easy or a quick journey for me. Oh, well, and I don't think it is a quick journey for most people that are in that position. And I've been there myself. So I, um, I fully resonate with what you're saying. And I've known about this kind of work since I was a teenager. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I always practiced it in the yeah. way that, you know, that I do now and understand now. And so I just, for those that might still be in victim mode, that are watching this, um, just there, there are methods, there are things you can do to get concrete tools. Yes. It is not, if you are working with somebody who says it's all woo woo airy fairy, that is not a person that you are going to go far with. Mm -hmm. Everyone has something to offer, but if you are working with the angelic energetic realm, it is solid concrete tools and methodologies that you can use again and again and again and always get the same result, which is your freedom from whatever fear has been holding you prisoner in the past. Not every method works for every person, but when a method is solid and is in alignment with your highest good, you will get results that you can count on, that you can visibly interact with in the physical world over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so the, um, the heart healing technique or angel heart healing technique. So is this something that they, they channeled to you that they told to you, or is it something, a combination of different techniques that you've put together over the years? It, it, Obviously, because I had the foundation from 
working or taking classes from so many people and reading so many books. Mm -hmm. I can't say, oh, I just channeled this because no, we're all influenced by everything. And anything I found to be valuable, I'm going to share with you. But this is really just working with the angels, the, the whole angelic realm. And that's the angels, the archangels, the ascended masters, the saints, the, the energies of purity that are just delighted to help us. So I just say angels because it seems easy. Okay. <laughs> but but okay. I, I, I the same category. <laughs> anybody and any being that wants to communicate with us through love, mm -hmm. we're all under the umbrella of Mother, Father, God. It's impossible for any of us to be outside of that place. Yeah. So any being that comes with wisdom and love, I'm going to listen to and evaluate through my own heart center, my own truth meter, whether or not this is something that I feel should be included and shared with other people. And that's, I think, very important. If yeah. your gut is twisting and your heart's kind of like, oh. listen to that. Mm -hmm. You're either not ready or it's not a truthful representation of what you are capable of because you are a divine being. So I want us to be very mindful of the fact that we are incredibly powerful beings. Mm -hmm. However, we can, with our power, choose to misuse it and get some really odd results that are not pleasant. However, the gut the heart alignment will keep us on the right path every single time. Now, the caveat they're reminding me is if you've got a lot of limitations, blocks, pain, trauma, really you could be getting messages that are skewed by because of those experiences. Mm -hmm. So it is best to clear away the pain before yes. you try to go with full gut um, Lead, leadings. Because let's say uh, I was abused as a child. Well, then my gut may tell me every time somebody and the abuse was yelling. So every time somebody yells, my gut may tell me to run away. But, you know, it, we might be at a football game and they're cheering. So, you know. Yeah, so it's the interpretation. Yes. So uh -huh. we got to be really careful to do the clearing and healing work before you listen to your gut and to be conscious of what's going on to catch yourself if you may be relating to a prior abuse situation at an inappropriate moment. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And that's some of the work that I do with my clients too. So I use regression therapy to help clear blockages and limitations. And then I work with human design to help them get to their inner authority. And so when you're talking about the gut, 70% of people are either manifesting generators or generators. So they have that sacral turned on all the time. And so they do get a gut reaction that may or if they're emotional authority, they're not supposed to um, go with that gut immediately, but it's a trigger to pay attention to something. Yeah. It's never going to hurt you to, 
just get more conscious about what you're about to engage in or what you're already engaging in. So it's it can't ever hurt you, but just don't follow it blindly if you have a lot of unhealed trauma that you need to work through. Yeah. Be conscious. Hey, what am I reacting to? And make a conscious high level choice to either participate or not. And that I wasn't making any high level choices in my, in my uh, time of darkness. And that's okay. We got to recognize it's okay to be where you are because that brought me tremendous learning and growth and has given me tremendous strength when I am working with people because it's so easy to relate if you have had the experience. So easy to dismiss it if you have just sailed through life. If you've sailed through life, congratulations. You know, <laughs> you did something I didn't do, but uh, I've enjoyed using my lessons of from the darkness to help others step out of their darkness. So I have had conversations with Mother God that I have said to her, if I have to go through it all again to get to this place, bring it on. Bring it on. I am so grateful to be here. And if this, if for whatever, whatever reason I have slip and I go backward, just unleash all of hell's fury on me and I will make my way out again and be so grateful for it. So don't fear the darkness. It's just an indicator that you're not in alignment, that you're missing out on your divinity. You're missing out on your magnificence because you're seeing yourself as less than you truly are. That is so beautifully said, so powerful. I just, I have had the extreme honor to work with so many fabulous people. And I just always try to begin every relationship with them saying, I see you. Mm. And you are really a stupendous, magnificent, courageous, incredible being. And our work together will help you see that too. But I see you and I'm going to hold that vision for you. And that is one of the ways the angels help is they help us to see people as they truly are without mm -hmm. all of the trappings of the that the trauma and abuse may have added. Yeah. Um, and that's a beautiful gift because you don't necessarily see the anger, the outrage, the pain, or the hurt. You get to see the beautiful being that is still wanting to love despite all of this hurt that they have experienced. So when you're working with the angels, um, do your clients also experience the angels or does it depend on the client? I think it depends on the, the client. Most people, and we have to remember, we all have some way to communicate mm -hmm. and that came, we came with that. It's hardwired. There is no one on the planet that is not either clairvoyant, clairaudient, or clairsentient, or uh, claircognizant. Mm -hmm. There is just 
it's impossible. We cannot live our lives without divine support. And so we all have some line of communication. We choose how much of that communication we allow through. So when you first begin working with me, maybe they feel something, mm -hmm. but as we move, progress, then their first clear gift will become more obvious. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is the more work that you do in this realm, the more all of the clairs come online. Yeah. You'll always have your, your dominant one, the one that is your go-to for me, it's clear audience. But all of the other clairs have gotten stronger the more that I open up my channel for the with the divine. Yeah, beautiful. Are there for you in your personal life, are there specific angels that you tend to work more with than others? Well, Jesus is still my best friend, okay. although, you know, not the person. And I've got to be very clear about that. This is not the the man, this is the Christ consciousness. I just still have that image of him from the Sunday school classroom. Yeah. And so that tends to be how I see him. Mm -hmm. But that Christ consciousness is what leads us in heart healing work. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's most significant about people have, who have experienced trauma and abuse is that they feel unsafe. So when we go into the heart to look at the places where the hurt has been stored, you don't want to be the leader. You know, I've already been through this. I've already been hurt by this. I've already been traumatized. So Jesus must come always and does, and he will precede us to the place where the pain is stored so that no one goes to experience or release any kind of pain or trauma without already having the presence of the divine standing between them and that pain. So he is the cushion mm -hmm. and it's his presence is the most beautiful feeling upwelling of unconditional love that you would can ever experience. I often, he and the Marys and mother God, I say it, it often feels like the most beautiful symphony set would sound. So that's what they feel like to me is just this incredible upwelling. And then the other energy that comes with us or is with me regularly is Saint Germain. Mm -hmm. And he has that incredible violet flame, the purification process. He is a much denser energy than the Christ light. Mm -hmm. And then Archangel Raphael, who works on the healing of the the physical body because so often mm -hmm. and and the and he's telling me and the emotional and then he does all the <laughs> all the bodies but too often when we have held trauma or abuse in ourselves it will have become some sort of physical manifestation so he is working on easing the physical symptoms while the christ and the saint germain energy are working on the mental, emotional, and spiritual, so that the entire being gets relief mm -hmm. from releasing the abuse, releasing the trauma. 
beautiful. That's actually so in the work that I have been doing and and in part of the book that I just got through writing that's coming out soon. Um, so you know, I'm not I don't work directly with the angels, even though I know I have angels and I do my Archangel Michael blue bubbles sometimes still. But well, I, he is the one that when we want to release the energy, we do it with Archangel Michael. Okay, yeah. And um, but not growing up in a religious household, I have you know, I think the energies that we tend to work with kind of are guided based on what we're exposed to as maybe growing up. And so for me, it was extraterrestrials. And so what's really interesting, though, is the group that I work most closely with are the Arcturians. And they uh, they have that angelic energy. They have the Christ Buddha consciousness energy. Oh, I can feel them. Oh, they're, wow. They're, they're lovely. Love. So like They're lovely. Whether it is, you know, talking about angels or, or Jesus or Christ or you well, know, they whatever. have very merry energy. Oh wow. They're <laughs> lovely. Yeah. So um so that they're all about the emotional healing and then the Syrians are all about the physical healing. And so when when you work with that energy together, then you have the healing, the holistic of mind, body, spirit, just like the work that you're doing. And so it's and I think connection. Yes, they're really all the same. You know, all roads lead to Rome. We yeah. only have one creator. You can call that being anything you want. Yeah. There is only one source of creation that unites all of us, but then we are all beautiful, unique individuals within that umbrella. And yeah. so there are so many ways to heal and so many helpers mm -hmm. that I think it's just fabulous that you don't have to have a one size fits all Yeah. because I think what does the most benefit is finding someone who you really feel comfortable with because it's a deep journey of unconditional love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And if you can't feel safe with whomever is guiding you into this place, then you're not really going to be able to do or receive the healing because you're not letting your guard down enough to, to receive the infilling. So to me, I always say, I'm not going to be right for everybody. Right. And, and what I think is wonderful is that you have so many choices, yes. but every legitimate practice is going to give you those tools that you can use again and again and give you freedom. It's going to move you out of your victim state. It's not going to require you to only do A, B, and C forever. It's going to ask you to expand, to be more, to add more, to put your own spin on things. So that's what I tell people to look for. Look for no ritual unless ritual helps move you into the space where you can then really commune with the divine. But if the ritual keeps you in a prison, that's not good. The whole idea is a personal relationship so that you can blossom in the way that's best for you. So you want to feel safe. You want to feel that the sky's the limit. You can go as far as you feel comfortable going. And you want to feel and know that you have 
everything you possibly could need in order to heal. You don't need somebody else to do it for you. And this is across the board. So if I chose to come in with a limited amount of intelligence, it wouldn't make any difference if I were Einstein or if my IQ was below average. You have everything you need for the life journey that you've chosen and for optimal life experience on that journey. And that I think is so important because so many of us have been told what you are, who you are, how you are is not good enough. Mm -hmm. And I just want everybody to know, hey, wait a minute. What you chose is perfect for the journey that you have chosen. Maybe it wouldn't feel great to me, but I'm not you. Mm-hmm. And maybe my choices would feel horrible to you, but you're not me. So live the life that feels best for you. And don't worry that it may not be honoring someone else's ideal for what you should do. And this is for, I'm a parent, this is for those of you who are trying to please your parents and yet your path is diverging from them. The best way that you can love your parents is for you to live the most fabulous life possible. Mm. Your parents might tell you they really want you to be in the family business or do the things the way they did them. But the best way you can honor your parents is to say, mom, dad, I love you. And you have given me so much. And because you've given me so much, I want to do even more with it than you may think I'm capable of. Watch me fly. There is not one parent that loves their child that's going to say, I don't want to see you fly. Stay in this nest forever. That's true. Although some some parents, I'm thinking of a couple of ex-husbands that I have, (laughs) fathers of my children that are what they have a little more definitive idea on what they want for the kid where, but then like I, like you just said, I am fully like embracing the uniqueness of my children. But let's look at that though. The reason they are trying to stuff their children in a box is because they are afraid that the child is not capable. So you got to say, mom, dad, I love you. I am courageous. I am willing to fall on my face and fail but I got to try, I got to take this chance. I got to try to make something more of my life than you may be able to envision for me. Can you support me in my quest? If they can't, do it anyway. Yeah. And come back later and say, I know you were afraid and it's only because you love me and I can appreciate that, but can you get behind me now that you see that I'm successful? Mm-hmm. Very important. And yeah, I have teenagers. So, you know, they have a whole world ahead of them. And they are definitely like very different than me. And I am totally okay. Obviously, you and I, we both have PhDs. So I have never expected my children to be academic in the way that I am. And I just, I want them to um, really understand their worthiness and love, first and foremost. Is right. that not the most amazing thing you can offer your children? I yeah. have two, 
One went the whole academic path. The other said, oh, the hell with this. I hate it. They are both happy and successful, but they're on different paths. They're on the paths that suit their personality and give them the best quality of life. Yes. Neither of their paths looks like mine. Now, I grew up in a household when I started talking about angels and saying, yeah, I want to get my PhD and I want to do it on conscious centered living. It was met with the weird, the weird head and then laughter and derision. So I know what it's like to be mocked for not following the path that was laid out before you. Yeah. But I have gained all of my wisdom and my joy. And I now have the immense pleasure and honor of working with other people because I said, okay, well, <laughs> you're not part of my decision. <laughs> See ya. Um, and so I'm going to just say, if you're on a path that doesn't converge with your family's ideals, take, and it feels good to you, take that path anyway. Mm -hmm. And if these people truly love you, they will honor you. If they're not able to honor you, then you have to think about whether it's great to be in a relationship with them. And you might even, it, maybe it has to go down to... Well, I just have phone calls with you every once in a while, but I won't spend time with you. That's okay. I yeah. know it feels uncomfortable. These are always going to be your parents. But, and I work with a lot of people on the LBTGQ, excuse me for not, I don't know all, all the letters. LBTGQ plus. <laughs> and more. I think there's an, an I, uh, well, that's anyway. why I'm the plus. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't label you as that because I don't need a label for you. I need to see your heart and experience your heart. And so we talk a lot about what do you do when your family rejects you? And the thing that you do is love you. You love you and accept you and honor you and you you might reach out to your family as you're as you feel stronger but it's okay to just say if you can't love me as i am then i don't understand why you would want a relationship with me anyway and it's okay then to close the door now what i do suggest is that we close the door. You don't need a thousand padlocks. That is your, if you are still in your trauma state, you may feel that you need the padlocks. Stay out, stay out. Don't come near me. You're going to hurt my feelings. Yeah. Just close the door and do the work. Clear and heal your heart. Mm -hmm. Feel good about you. Honor you. And then see if you can enter into a distant relationship that is meaningful. And if that works, then maybe you can go visit them. But if you don't have trauma triggers that you're responding to when they start up with their ridicule, it's going to be a much different experience than 
pre what your previous interaction was. So what 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 is your ideal client and how do you work with clients? Do you just do in person or is it remote or it's all remote now? And we work for a, a considerable period of time each session. It's a two-hour session because it sort of combines traditional talk therapy with deep heart clearing. Okay. So I want you to tell me what's going on so that that is not standing in the way of you. You know, if you're holding on to something and you don't want to talk about it, mm -hmm. this is your safe space. You can say anything and we'll unpack it. We'll dissect it. We'll look at it. We'll see. Is that and then we go into the heart and find out, okay, is this something that we can find in the heart? And the, the angels do that. They tell us where we're going. But we'll go to the origin point. So, and it doesn't matter whether it's past life or this life, but I feel and have found through my work that it's like dominoes. So if we can get the origin point, and clear that up, then everything just... Um, it clears all the timelines. Yeah, it, it's just, there's nothing that, you know, people will say, well, I still remember it, but, you know, if I just kind of go poke around that area, there's nothing there. Yeah. It's a distant memory, but I don't have to react to it or feel paralyzed by it or um, victimized by it again. So it's giving you freedom, but it, and then we generally work anywhere from three to six months. Okay. Um, you need at least three for me to teach you all of the different techniques. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they will create a new technique. And so I want to make sure that you're, you, you know, you receive that if somebody is really having a struggle with a particular issue and what I already have in my toolbox is not enough, they'll just create something new. Okay. That's fascinating. But yeah, that they can, I mean, of course I believe that. Well, <laughs> I love it because, well, there was a woman who was struggling with agoraphobia and the normal shielding practice just wasn't working. She was deeply, deeply sensitive and really had a physical reaction to the energies around her and traditional shielding just wasn't cutting it. Mm -hmm. So they created a whole new clearing and shielding program that she can do quickly that I have taught myself and everyone else because it was so phenomenal. But I didn't have access to that until she wasn't able to use the, the traditional shielding that I had always used prior to that. Beautiful. So what um, what would be the youngest age that you would work with? Because if you're working with people with trauma, and I'm thinking again of people like people in my family that are you know, teenagers or children and have trauma, do you work with them or does it have to wait till adulthood? No, it, it's, it's just a willingness more than an age. So I've worked with people that are in their 70s and people that are, you know, teens. It's just, are, the only thing I would think with a teenager is you may have so much going on in your life that you really don't want to spend this amount of time yeah. clearing. And I could understand that. Um, but if you're ready, 
and you want to, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. It's just whether it feels good to you. Yeah. Now I can relate that because when I was a teenager, I was in a spiritual school and there was a lot of that kind of moving energy. And even though physically I could do it, I just was like, oh, I don't want to be doing this for hours and hours and hours. Right. Yes. It's a big commitment. And it doesn't go, it, it goes incredibly quickly compared mm -hmm. to traditional therapy. We do in a couple of months what would normally take a couple of years because you just when the trigger is not there anymore, you don't need to talk about it endlessly. Right. <laughs> so, well, so. That, actually, that is something um, that I have thought about, about traditional therapy, because um, you know, my, my mother has her degree in psychology, was counselor for a while, and I know other people in that field of talk therapy. But it's like, if you're just talking about it over and over, how much healing is actually going on? And so, because you're well, just it up again yes and mother god i mean I, I she blew my mind one day when she said to me and i had been already doing this work and working with other people but i had yet to break myself of the critical the habit of being overly self-critical overly doomsday outlook and um just very self-condemning so I could be positive for everyone else and I could tell them, I see you. I see for me. I'm like, Oh, are you kidding? You didn't do this and this and this and this, you know, all day long criticism after criticism after criticism. And you only, you know, you should have done much more. You should have gotten them further. Oh, it was just unending, just diatribe. And in a marriage where that was very much encouraged. So, it was just, and having grown up that way, you know, that was all I knew. And I really believed that it was preventing me from um, making more mistakes. You know, I, I, that was my, oh God, I so much cat hair. <laughs> oh, um, I really thought, well, if I don't analyze everything I've done wrong, I'll have no way to correct it and I'll just keep making bigger and bigger mistakes. So I was still living in fear of the mistake, even though everything had shifted, I was still waiting for myself to do it wrong. So I'm probably five years into my practice and I finally say, and I notice things are just sort of have stagnated all across the board just completely. And I'm still happy, still love the work that I'm doing, but I'm, they're pushing me. They're telling me we want more. We want more. We want, you know, uh, -uh this is not good enough. You know, <laughs> go girl that you, we want there. There's I'm like, okay, but I don't know how to get more. So in those days in my meditation, I would always sit down with a pen and paper because I felt like I could hear them better if I was writing. Yeah. So I sit down and I say, okay, mother, tell me everything I'm doing that's wrong. And I'm really excited because I'm feeling like, okay, she's just gonna give me the laundry list of criticism and I'm gonna be able to correct it and then I can really do what she wants me to do. So 
I'm sitting there and there's radio silence. And I tell you, it probably lasted 30 seconds. It felt like 30 years. Mm. My eyes start feeling, filling with tears. I start, I'm barely out of the woods <laughs> and I could only do it because I can hear you. How am I gonna go back to living my life in silence? I can't do this without you. I'm just begging and pleading, please talk to me. And you know, this is after all these years of, of building, 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 but I hadn't gotten rid of the criticism. So my foundation is a little shaky. And so after I get that all out, she starts to laugh. And I'm like, you know, I don't think it's funny. That wasn't funny. She said, but dear, that's what's wrong. I'm like, that's not helpful. What do you mean that's what's wrong? I know that's wrong. What am I doing wrong? She said, that's, that's it. That's what you're doing wrong. And I'm like, what am I? Are we playing a game? What am I doing wrong? She said, you're focused only on what you're doing wrong. You have these big successes. These people are lives are transforming and you're like, that's nice. Now, about that time when you didn't say the right words one time, we really need to correct you. And she said, you are just creating mountains to climb every day. And we don't want you to climb any more mountains unless you're climbing closer to us. And then you would be flying. She said, please stop it. So she gave me an assignment and she said, all right, now for the next 30 days, you are not allowed to indulge in any kind of self-criticism, self-condemnation, or focus on what's wrong. If something goes wrong, you simply turn around and say, look at that beautiful and fill in the blank, find something that's right. Yeah. I was like, <sighs> big breath. Not at all in on you know not not ready for this assignment. So I'm like, okay, very snotty. Okay, I'll do it because I said I would do anything that you told me to do. But just be prepared that I'm going to need to be rescued at the end of 30 days because my life is going to have gone to hell. <laughs> and so just like, okay, you just do it. Keep your word. Do it. I'm like, okay. I thought, all right, here we go. So, of course, I have nothing prepared that I can feel good about because I'm so used to criticizing. So I can't even say nice things to me. Mm. So I keep saying things like, oh, the birds are singing and that's lovely. <laughs> and look at these beautiful flowers. But I, I had no words of honor that I could tell myself. Mm -hmm. So it was an interesting first week learning to find nice things to say about myself. And the more I did that and the more that I just looked at everything that was right and put away what was wrong, the better life would, the more I expanded, the more I could feel joy and the more I heard them and just I was like this is amazing <laughs> this is really good 
And I still kept looking over my shoulder. Ooh, when's that other shoe going to drop? This can't last. By the end of 30 days, I was like, oh my gosh. I so get it. When I focused on what was wrong, I was creating products that were wrong so I could engage with the energy that I had created. And when I was focused on what's right, I was creating energetic products so I would have more what's right to deal with. And the what's wrong just got smaller and smaller. That's beautiful. And I think that that's an important message for everyone to hear right now because um i think it was last week i had a channel message come through me from the arcturians and about the status of the world right now and what they similar to what you just shared what they are inviting everyone to do is focus on the world that you do want what kind of world do you want to create and keep your focus there because if you're focusing on all the bad stuff going on right now and all the fear and all of the polarization, then you're just creating more of that. So we really have to shift our focus to, oh. okay, as a collective, like what do we want to create? Harmony, peace, love. That's what I want. Absolutely. And those of us who have chosen to awaken at this time and to really be conscious on our life journeys, I call us all luminaries. We are the lights, the light of love, and we are all around the world on purpose. Luckily, we have the internet to bring us together so that we can gain support from each other. But we have been planted strategically all across the globe. And our job is to hold the frequency of love so that others can be lifted up and decide to join us. We cannot devolve into the chaos and the darkness just because it's there. And you know, they taught me this when I was teaching I had no idea what they were doing. Didn't even know I was hearing them. I just thought I was a good teacher and got these suddenly miraculously inspirational ideas that transformed the classroom instantly. I was like, oh, I'm really good at this. <laughs> but they taught me because they gave me children. They didn't. The school gave me children that were slated to fail. Okay. When I was teaching, when they we we were first assigned the end of grade tests, mm -hmm. and your school could be um, sanctioned if you didn't have if you had too many failures, so they scraped up money in the budget to hire me to do um, kind of tutoring in math and reading, which was what the the test would focus on for these third grade children that had already been identified as failures. So that was when the angels taught me how to change your mental landscape. Now, at the time, completely lost the message, didn't apply it to myself, applied it to all of them. They drank it up like the little sponges that they are and went on to get 85% across the board at the on their end of grade test. But I was still stuck in self-criticism mode. But these guys just, they were so proud of themselves. But what happened was it, this, this little guy came 
I taught this first day easy math lesson. I thought, you know, if I can just prove to them that they know more than they do, then they'll be more open to learning. So I'm just going to teach this easy math lesson and give them this worksheet that is simple so that they'll all end up with a really good grade. Mm -hmm. Well, we were in a janitor's closet and our space was, you know, not very big. They had a big table. I had a little tiny desk in the corner and we had a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. So it from the time that it took me to walk from the whiteboard to my desk, this little guy has arrived. I'm thinking, wow, I'm a great teacher. He's already finished. But I notice he might be finished, but he doesn't feel too good because his head's hanging down and papers in his hand, little pencil stub. I thought, ooh. <laughs> this might not be so easy. And I got this incredible inspiration. And I said, well, let's take a look at how you did. It was 100% failure. Mm -hmm. So they told me, erase it. Mm -hmm. Got the eraser, erased everything. His little eyes are like, what is she doing? You know, this is kind of weird. I said, come on, you know, let's do this together. So I'm showing him and, you know, leading him to the answer over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. He's starting to relax and recognize, yes, he does know more than he realized. And then we get to the end and I say to him, okay, there's one left. You've gotten all of these correct. He's like, I did? I said, yeah, see? And I get a colorful marker and I put C's on all of the rest of them. He's like, oh yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I said, go back to your seat and you do this one on your own. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there and hadn't prayed in probably 30 years by this point. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, God, if there's anything in the world that I need you to do for me, it's let him get the right answer. And that can be it for the rest of my life. If you never answer another prayer, I'll be happy because I'm the failure in this room and I can't have these other kids fail because it's just more than I can carry. It's too much weight. So you got to do this for me, God. Just let this guy get this problem right. End of prayer. Didn't wait for any answer. Nothing. Just done. Now he comes back and I'm like, oh God, please <laughs> look at his paper. He gets it right. I'm like, oh, big C on that one. And then they tell me, put a hundred on his paper. Mm. Okay. Got them another color marker. Big hundred. Then they say, put an A plus on there. Okay. Put an A plus on. Each time he sees another thing that he has done right, he gets bigger and bigger and bigger and believes in his ability to do this work a little bit more. So then they say, tell the class that he got a hundred. <laughs> so I say, hey, everybody, so-and-so got a hundred. And they're like, he got a hundred? <laughs> what? And they're all like, hey, I want a hundred. And so that began our way of working in that room. They would do their work until they got a hundred. 
and they would give up snack, they would give up recess, they would give up lunch so they could do that paper over and over again until they had a hundred. And then the principal came down and we got ribbons for a hundred, getting hundreds all the time. And we had a hundred bulletin board and it just, they drank it in. Mm -hmm. They began seeing themselves as they truly were. And then they operated from their strength as opposed to from that label that other people had placed on them. Yeah. So they became brilliant successes instead of miserable failures. That is a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah. it, it changed my life because then when I was finally done being a failure, yeah. I had been the victim long enough, I could recall, oh, wait a minute. Hey, that's what, <laughs> if they could do that, maybe I could do that too. And so I was kind of open to the to that transformation because of them. So they changed my life because, first of all, brought me so much joy to see these kids feel good about themselves. But then later, when I was finally done with my destroy mode, I had a touchstone to go back to and remember, hey, that worked for those guys. Well, so we are now coming to an end in our time together, and I have thoroughly enjoyed having this conversation with you. Can you please share how people can find you? Oh, absolutely. Come to my website. It's mmhearthealer.com. Right now, if you sign up for our email list, it's a beautiful meditation that takes you into the heart. And we're also preparing an ebook that is 11 ways in which we resist the angels. So we'll be sending that out too to those of us, those who are on our email list just to help you think, oh, I didn't even realize I was resisting when I was doing this or holding on to this belief. Just like me, I didn't even realize my focus on what was wrong was creating a big block that prevented me from expanding. So it's just a way to uh, rem gently remind ourselves. And also what we are adding now, we're in the process of adding a nonprofit arm. Ooh. And that's the Heart Healing Foundation. We hope to have funding by September. And then we will be able to offer scholarship counseling if you're not able to afford it. But right now, you can join us in uh, it, the group. Is The community is my heart's desire because the angels want you to have your heart's desire. And you can do study on your own for $11 a month or join us for group counseling or one-on-one. -on -one. Beautiful. So mmhearthealer.com. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. And for those of you interested in any of my products, books, services, retreats or UFO tours, <laughs> come to drlisajthompson.com or mysticmanta.com or bigislandufotours.com. And I appreciate you having been on the show, Dr. Marsha Martin, and thank you everyone for watching. Thanks so much, Lisa. It was a pleasure to be here. <laughs>